Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of the Believe in Rugby podcast show on the Believe Podcast Network, which is the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? This podcast is available on all of your favorite directories, including Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find more of our content on Believe.com, at Believe in Rugby on Instagram, and at Believe Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. This week, I will be joined by the illustrious USA Eagle Star 7s player, Danny Barrett. Danny's resume sort of speaks for itself. Coming out of the University of California, Berkeley, Danny cemented himself or has cemented himself as a cornerstone on the US 7s national rugby team. And on this episode, I get Danny to open up on the making of his backbone, what made him the player and person that he is today. His relentless work ethic is driven by some of the experiences that he's had in his past that he's going to get into. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Hey, what's up, Danny? Welcome to the podcast. Right on. (laughs) So I know that you kind of grew up around the game with your brothers who played at Cal, you know, so rugby was in the family. So what I want to ask you is, you know, at the time, I think you were 14 playing football and you had, you know, football as an option in your future. What made transitioning into rugby something that you wanted more? Was it the influence of your brothers or, you know, how did you get um, more involved with rugby and fall in love with the sport? Yeah. So like you said, I I got two older brothers that both played um, kind of throughout high school. And just kind of our, the way we kind of did everything in my family was, you know, you go and watch your brothers play. Right. So I, I kind of grew up just watching them play through sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Um, and then once I got into high school, you know, played football, uh, I was going to play baseball, but I actually didn't have the grades. Okay. So I was academically ineligible to play baseball. And then from there, you know, rugby wasn't a school sport for us. So in theory, my GPA didn't really matter. <laughs> as bad as it is to say. Um, so I went out and played rugby and, you know, the baseball coach kind of knew who I was, knew um, that I was a pretty good baseball player. So he kept me a spot, but, you know, once I got into rugby, it was just the ability to do everything, right. You know, tackle, pass, run with the ball In football, we ran the option and I wasn't a running back and I wasn't a quarterback and I wasn't, I was a tight end. Right. Right. So, I never got the ball. I never got to touch the ball. I, I might've touched it, you know, once, twice, maybe three times my freshman year playing football. So I think rugby was kind of that outlet to, to let me um, get to take the chains off. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, you know, you know, show who I am, be, be an individual in some sense and, and, and show my athletic capabilities. Um, and then you know, I, I ended up not going back to baseball. I, I played football for four years, but like I said, you know, we, we ran the option for three of those four years. Mm-hmm. My senior year, we finally started running kind of a pro style offense. Um, but being a tight end, you're not really still really not getting the ball that much. Right. Um, I, I saw it a, a fair amount that year, but 
you know, by that point, I was tired of people telling me what to do, you know, block this guy. We'll say, you know, on go or on two, whatever it is. Right, you know, right. I was tired of that. And, and rugby just allowed me to, to do what I wanted to do within kind of less so rules and more so guidelines mm-hmm. in terms of kind of a, a, uh, like a playing structure. I mean, we all know what we have to do, but at the end of the day, you know, be yourself. And, and that's what I really liked about it. Um, the camaraderie was, was just so much better than, than football as well for me. You know, you got your offense, you got your defense, and they, they kind of stick together where, as you know, rugby, everyone's got to do everything. All skills, all players. Of course. So that, that's really what attracted me. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I feel like that's an aspect of the game that attracts a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I didn't play football, you know, I wish I did. Um, but, you know, playing rugby, it kind, it was kind of a sport. Um, if you didn't know, so I played, you know, five years at Iona College under Bruce McLean. And so, yeah, like when I picked up rugby, it was just a sport where I could just do a lot, you know, and I'm a big football fan and it's kind of like football. So I kind of took solace in that and made the transition pretty seamless. But what I also want to ask you is how bad did your brothers beat up on you once you started playing? Like, you know, did you guys have any uh, rough practices against each other? I'm sure you did. Uh, you know what? Once we got on the field, you know, between the, the four white lines, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was less so I'm the younger brother, I'm getting beat up. It was more, you know, we knew what the other was going to do before anyone else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so my freshman year at Cal, the three of us were able to play together in a few games. And uh, so Jim was four years older than me. He was a fifth year senior. Neil was a junior. I was a freshman. Um, so Neil and I played together for three years, mm-hmm. you know, playing, win, winning national championships together. So Neil and I knew exactly what we needed to do for each other, exactly where we needed to be. Um, I mean, there, there's always a few times where, you know, you get into a contact drill and, all right, it's my brother, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a little bit more. Mm. <laughs> but I mean, we we actually just really played so fluidly together that right. you know we were kind of hard to stop. Mm. So I, I got all my my mm-hmm. uh, I got all my my kind of ass kicking as a as a child. We'll say <laughs> <laughs> they beat me up uh, a fair bit when we were growing up. With yeah, the real stuff, not not the not yeah. the sports stuff in real life, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Tied to trees, you know, picked on all the time. Man, see, that's why I like being the oldest. That's why I like being the oldest. I have a little <laughs> sister. I don't have to worry about older brothers or nothing like that. <laughs> but um, growing up, I guess, did you have, um, did you follow rugby or did you follow any other sports or do you follow any other sports as a huge fanatic? Um, I wouldn't say as as kind of a huge fan. You know, I'm I'm a 49er uh, San Francisco Giants, San Jose Sharks guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I follow my teams. I'm not a huge basketball fan. I will be the first one to say, put my hand up and say, I'm a bandwagon Warriors fan. <laughs> so I, I'll watch them when they're in the playoffs and, you know, go to the finals or whatever. But other than that, you know, I, I don't really watch it that much. I, I enjoy watching some of the rugby because you can learn so much by being a fan. I think watching 15s is, is really good because it's so different than sevens. Right. Um, and you can learn so many different things, but it's also nice 
I mean, we watch so much film and watching film is completely different than watching a rugby game on the couch with a beer in your hand. Right. So just kind of being able to, to do that and, and step away from the game. I love watching the sport. I think it's, it's a huge chess match. It's, you know, the greatest of minds against the greatest of minds mm. um, and, and who can come out on top of that. So, yeah, I, I, I follow quite a bit. I mean, my favorite TV show is the only show that's on a and that's sports center. So <laughs> Touché, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah it, it, I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan, but I wouldn't say, you know, I'm a, I'm a diehard anyone. I, I just like watching it in general. Right. I mean, kind of why I asked is because, when I see you play, you have like this real ruthless regard to just destroy anything that stands in your way. And I was wondering if you got that from, got that sort of play style from maybe another athlete or maybe your older brothers. But um, yeah, going back in to how you play, how you approach the game, I guess, where did you learn to embrace physical contact the way that you do? in rugby for me you know it's probably my older brothers right like i said earlier you know i was i was picked on and beat up you know my whole life and and sometimes i still am but uh you know i i always grew up a huge wrestling fan as well and wwe i just i the theatrics and the the ability to move bodies that are so big and so strong mm. to just to kind of be able to do that is is super interesting to me um but i think you know, I grew up playing uh, more specifically sevens. When I, when I started playing sevens, you know, I grew up playing with all Polynesian guys. Okay. So Samoans, Tongans, Fijians, and, you know, they're typically very physical. Right. And they're not going to back down from that. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned my sevens from uh, the Palamo family. So Threaten Palamo plays for uh, uh, DC and the MLR played overseas for quite a while. Okay. Um, so I learned from his dad, him and his brothers, uh, Mose Timoteo, Johnny Nikika, who was the captain of the USA sevens for a while. Um, yeah. So I, I almost played more like a, a Polynesian than, than a white kid. So, and, and I, I, I enjoy that. I like being, you know, cause I feel like big physical presence. Right. I was going to say, I feel like your opponents won't see that side of you coming, you know, since you, I guess you don't look like them. They don't expect you to yeah. play like them. Right. Yeah. You, you know, I, part of it comes from, you know, growing up playing with those guys and part of it comes from being a perpetual little brother. You know, I, I got picked on my entire life. So it's now time for me to do a, a bit of the picking right. and, you know, I can use my size. I'm a pretty big guy and playing sevens at suited perfectly for me i i can move a little bit and i got i got a little bit of speed behind me not as much as you know a carlin or a perry or something but mm-hmm. um i think my the, the way i play suits them very well and i just enjoy it i mean it, it's kind of hard for for someone that you know to see it over and over and over again mm-hmm. oh man this guy's coming again oh i, I gotta get up and make another tackle on this guy so no yeah like nobody wants to deal with that that. mental side is great right you know like uh i think joe rogan has a saying like you know nobody wants to stand in front of something that's relentless you know eventually you're just not going to want to be in front of that thing that that's just going to keep attacking you the the other good one is uh 
Marshawn Lynch. He he had a thing. Uh, Run through a motherfucker's face. Yeah, and then and over and over and over and over and over and over again. He's like that. The psychological aspect of that is people are gonna be like, you know what? I I don't want to do that anymore. Like I do not want this guy jamming it down my throat again. Like I I, I just can't take it. Uh huh. And then that's what I enjoy is you, the another human being submitting because of a physical aspect. Damn, that's ruthless. That's ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds bad now. I mean, I'm a pretty nice guy outside of things, but <laughs> once you put me between the four white lines, it's completely different. Of course, of course. Yeah, so you did go on um, to play at the University of Cal and uh you know, you played in the CRCs, uh, in the sevens game. And so I guess what are some tangibles that you picked up from playing at the college level that helped you um, evolve into your pro career? For me, it was, you know, just accepting being tired. Like, no matter what, you're going to be exhausted. And it's the, mm-hmm. the ability to kind of go to that dark place but keep on going. You know, your, your mind's going to quit a lot earlier than your body is. And, and if you right. can kind of, def, uh, if you can defeat that little voice in your head, that's telling you, Hey man, like you can't do this anymore. You're tired. Like if you can beat that, then you can do anything. Like you, you, you mm-hmm. your mind is going to tell you to stop, but if you can work yourself into those dark places and train as often as you can, then I mean, it, it's going to be so much easier once you get into a game time, knowing that, Hey, you got seven minutes until a break and then you got seven more minutes and then you have a two or three hour break. Right. So was that something that you struggled with initially on that mental side of the game, you know, thinking about fatigue and, and whatnot? Yeah. I I think that's a a pretty common thing for a lot of people is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just hard. It's just hard work. That's all it is. Um, yeah, and and when things get hard, that's that's the easiest time to to call it quits. Like, oh, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do that. But it's the people that continue to tell themselves and continue to work at, no, I can do this. This is what I really, really want. This is all I ever want to do. I mean, all I ever wanted to be growing up was a, a professional athlete. It, it didn't really matter what sport mm-hmm. I was playing. It ended up being rugby, and I'm so thankful for that. But. I mean, I just wanted to be a professional athlete and I'd do whatever it took to get there. Right. Um, you know, speaking about, uh, I guess, obstacles, what has been, I guess, the most difficult obstacle you've had to overcome in your rugby career? And what did you end up learning from it? You know what? I, th- I think we're still kind of going through that. Mm-hmm. Um, with the whole pandemic and everything, this is the longest time in my athletic career since I was a child where I haven't had organized sports. You know, I think we went seven months from when we played in Vancouver to our first day of training. And it was like, I think it was seven months to the day almost. Um, so that, that was incredibly hard for me, you know, not having that structured schedule, that regimen, you know, all right, I got to get up. We have training. I'm going to go see the boys. We're in the gym, breakfast, on the field, lunch, on the field, right. recover, dinner, do it again. So, so that was actually really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then even getting back into it, it's, it's so hard going from not seeing anybody. You know, I, I see my wife and, you know, some of her coworkers every so often uh, during that quarantine period uh, during the summer. But, you know, I didn't see many of the guys that I would see day in and day out. So kind of having to, to get used to that mentally and emotionally is very difficult. I mean, we have so many different characters on our team, I will say right. so many different personalities and kind of um, emotional lightning rods of, of guys that it, it, it's really, really difficult to, to kind of keep your mind in this, in the correct spot mm -hmm. in a good place. And also at the same time, not knowing if or when we're ever going to be able to play again. Yeah. Right. And you touched on it, the different personalities that you have. Um, I assume you're, you're referring to the sevens. USA sevens team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been with the sevens for, you know, almost seven years and that's pretty much what I've been doing exclusively right. for the last four. Um, so for most of the, most of my stuff is, is going to be sevens related. Yeah. And you guys have had a boatload of success. You know, you won the London sevens gold medal, uh, in that tournament, you beat South Africa, New Zealand and Australia. Um, and so you touched on like the different personalities that you guys have, how beneficial was it to have those different types of guys that um, I guess that were able to come together just to achieve that one goal, you know, like how important was that to have guys that came from, I guess, different backgrounds and that had different personalities? Like what part did that play into all the winning you guys did? Uh, it's, it's tough. You know, I mean, we're the, the sevens program is a great representation of kind of the United States population as a whole. I mean, we got guys program is a great representation of kind of the United States population as a whole. I mean, we got guys that are, you know, Polynesian descent, guys from like myself from Northern California, guys from New York and Minnesota and Florida and Ohio, Texas. I mean, we have guys from everywhere. Mm -hmm. and that makes it very difficult because those guys also grew up with different backgrounds than myself or yourself or, you know, Madison Hughes, who was uh, private schooled in England um, or Flau Nua, who, you know, grew up in Tonga and, you know, went to high school in, in Northern California. I mean, right. it's very hard to, to fit puzzle pieces together when, the puzzles make a different picture. And I think that's what was a big problem with kind of USA sevens for a number of years. You know, we, we just couldn't find the right pieces and we, and we couldn't keep, you know, the, the Jenga blocks with the puzzle pieces with the monopoly pieces and get them all to fit together. Okay. And, and we kind of molded that over, you know, a number of years, uh, probably the last, three, four, five years to where, you know, it was, it was less of uh, puzzle pieces and more of, you know, different shades of Play-Doh. Mm, okay. You know, the Play-Doh is always going to mold back together, but it's going to be slightly different. And that's exactly what we are. You know, Perry and Carlin are very similar in who they are as people where Steve Thomasine and myself are very similar in who we are as people. Maka and Flau, very similar in who they are. So we were able to kind of mold that together and, and really put 
you know, that, that kind of clay block together um, to use a lot of different analogies for you, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But I feel like I'm back in kindergarten. I mean, in the yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I'm big on, big on analogies. It, it's, it just helps me think of the, think through things, but um, yeah, you know, it, it just took us a really long time to understand who each other were and are as people Mm -hmm. because if i can understand you and you know where you came from your background you know what brought you to rugby um what what do what can i do to help you succeed and vice versa Mm -hmm. uh it it was pretty important for us wow yeah i mean that's interesting that the fact that you guys uh came from different backgrounds kind of is what held you back and then you learn to um use use that the fact that you learn to use that to your your advantage that's pretty impressive and and it and it's definitely through you know a lot of hard work a lot of very difficult conversations Mm -hmm. um because you know we're all big prideful men but at the same time you know you have to be able to be vulnerable with each other and share those emotions because uh, you're never going to truly know what's making someone feel some type of way and we're all here to help each other we're not here to to challenge your pride or anything we're here to get better as a program and we're here to win games and that's it Mm. this might be a tough one but who do you enjoy playing the most with on the seventh team out of all those guys oh that is a tough one um you know I, i play pretty pretty hand in hand with perry you know we're all we're typically like right next to each other, um, especially off a kickoff, uh, typically off a kickoff receipt. Um, and watching him work is just, I mean, he's the best player in the world. He's a two-time uh, seventh player of the world uh, for mm-hmm. a reason. And, you know, so he he's really good. He's really fun to play with. Uh, Steve Thomasine as well. I mean, he, he just works so incredibly hard. And you can see the passion like in his eyes, just flowing through his veins of just wanting to be, you know, the best player possible. Um, and then, you know, I, I had so much fun playing with Zach Test. Mm. And Testy was my roommate for a number of years on tour um, and one of my best friends. And, you know, seeing what he brought to the table and, and how he kind of kept the, the program alive for a number of years almost single-handedly, you know, being the stalwart that he was and, right. and is. Um, just being able to learn from Zach and, and and play with him was just incredible. So I, I would say those three for kind of three different reasons. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Danny pretty much wraps up our podcast episode. And um, I want to I wanna thank you again for agreeing to do this. You're probably the biggest name that's been on so far and hopefully you're not the last so thank you my man i appreciate you yeah of course no problem uh good luck with everything and uh enjoyed being on the show and yeah if we can do anything to help let us know extremely cool and surreal getting to connect with the great danny barrett i really enjoyed our conversation and hope that some of you did as well If you are someone who is enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and rate five stars if you believe that it deserves it. 
Also, follow this podcast, or you can follow this podcast on Instagram at Believe in Rugby. And as always, feel free to DM me if you'd like to come on the podcast or if you have any cool ideas for the show. With that being said, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Believe in Rugby podcast show. And I will be back next week for next week's episode, guys. Take care. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube